Welcome, everyone, to a Wednesday Trashy Divorces, Trashy Breakups edition. Alicia has stolen my week. I did. Thank you, Stacy, for letting me steal your week. I'm Alicia. That's Stacy. I am Stacy. We're here for Trashy Breakups. Oh, I love this week. Thanks for letting me steal this week. It was the goddess that is known and celebrated as Joni Mitchell's birthday this past Sunday, November 7th. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Joni. You are a goddess. I honor Joni Mitchell literally every day, but this week we're going to do a little Joni Mitchell spiderweb with a love story that's going to break your heart. (laughs) Our song title this week is inspired by the Neil Young tune that Neil Young writes for his friend and bandmate Graham Nash when, after a few years of an amazing love affair with Joni Mitchell, Graham and Joni crash and burn. But not even burn. It is a story of choices and heartbreak. And that's why Joni Mitchell is a goddess and Graham Nash is a romantic hero in this tale. And I don't know. I haven't cried in a few seasons on Trashy Divorces, but today might be the Today. Okay. All right. Schedule on your calendar, friends. (laughs) So you know I've been doing this uh, Laurel Canyon thing, Mm -hmm. spiderweb thing on Patreon. And this episode might have been a what's between Alicia's ears, but... Ooh, I did commandeer this week <laughs> from you to get it in. Thank you, Stacy. My pleasure a, to work less. It's it fun. is a trashy breakup love story in three songs, at least in this episode. Let's get into it. Roberta Joan Anderson, the lovely goddess that she is, born November 7th, 1943 in Saskatchewan, Canada. Joan has a childhood of watching trains come and go. Yeah, that's like, and she's looking... Uh, I mean, it's one of her first songs, right? Like, just watching people that are not where she is in her tiny, tiny town. At the age of eight, she contracts polio and Mm. is quarantined for many, many months. Her mother visits one time on Christmas. Yikes. But her father never visits. Yikes. Yeah. So Joni's alone. She's on her back. And it. the medical science at the time believed that if you moved you aggravated the disease. So she's just got to stay, like she's eight and has to stay super still. The damage done during this childhood trauma will lead Joni to a left hand that's damaged, which will make playing difficult for her, which is partially responsible for her alternate tunings. Oh, interesting. And the way that she crafts her whole artistic thing. I mean, she's the universal voice. Uh, James Taylor, ex-boyfriend of hers, will say about Joni, she's building the canvas and putting paint on it. She's doing it like there's no one else that does it like Joni Mitchell. She's building the canvas and then painting it. David Crosby, another one of her boyfriends, is her first producer who will bring Joni to Laurel Canyon. There's a lot about him coming, but David Crosby will say about her, she doesn't sound like anyone. She sounds like Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Gosh, she's so good. Joni, for her part about her talent, will say that, hey, chords are depictions of emotions. They're like my feelings. My chords are alternate tuning. They're chords of inquiry. They have Hmm. a question mark in them. Hmm. They suit me. God, I love her. Okay. So Joni's it, man. Her art is the thing. Her actual physical painting art creations We'll take her away from Canada. She'll attend the Alberta College of Art and Design in Calgary. 
She's got to pay the bills, so she gets a job. She works as a model for the local department store. And she begins to learn how to play guitar by listening to Pete Seeger, right? She begins playing ukulele hmm. in Calgary coffee houses. And it, but it's art, right? Like it, art is Joni's passion. Most of her album covers are her own art. Right. She's a gifted visual artist as well as. She'll do the art for Crosby Stills' Nash and Young's So Far album. Mm-hmm. Like it's her art that is the thing, but music is kind of like, okay, this is pretty cool. I can pay some bills. This is a pretty fun way for one thing to influence another. Like Jody's kind of the whole package. I can just imagine walking into some um, coffee house in Calgary and whatever, the mid sixties and Joni Mitchell up there with a ukulele. (laughs) She stuns everyone. (laughs) Like, hold on, hold on. Okay. So at this time, Joni is going to find a boyfriend and she's going to get pregnant pretty much immediately. There's a daughter from this union that is put into a foster home. Which Joni, at 22, mother of a daughter that she would really like to care for, but she's alone. She's not making great money. Here comes Chuck Mitchell. Chuck Mitchell is an American musician in the Detroit scene. And a lot in the same way that John Phillips pulled his nonsense, Chuck Mitchell is like, ooh, we can double our income if Joni's in the band. With her ukulele. With her ukulele. I mean, she's ah, just amazing. And... Chuck fills Joni with all of these promises like, yes, let's get married and I'll adopt your child only to end up flaking out on all of that. Yeah. Leaving sweet Joni to write Little Green, which is probably the prelude to this tale. But Joni and Chuck end. And that song is probably of hers. I had a king. But those songs aren't the focus today because Joni's going to start playing around where she will meet David Crosby in 1967. And they kind of have a thing. Like, David Crosby is in trance. Like, nobody. He's he's never seen anybody like her. And it's free love and all that. But, like, David Crosby's sort of the wild card in the whole scene. And he wants to go back to home, Laurel Canyon, and promote Joni Mitchell as his big discovery. Joni will say that David would revel in presenting her to his friends, treating her like a prized, talented possession. Uh, Joni will follow Mm -hmm. David Crosby out to Laurel Canyon and set up housekeeping there, which we're going to get to, but I need to tell you first. This whole David trotted me out nonsense uh, was fun for David Crosby, who would just like, oh God, it's terrible. But Joni Mitchell would later tell her biographer, David Yaffe, it was kind of embarrassing, as if I were his discovery. But, like, there David Crosby would be, like, hey, y'all, let's slide a joint. Hey, Joni, play. And Joni plays and wows us. She does her thing, and it's the new sound, and no one's doing it like her. David Crosby will produce Joni's first studio album called A Song for a Seagull, which is really just David Crosby making contact. Joni doesn't need producing She knows exactly how she wants to sound. Now, the relationship between David and Joni is going to deteriorate. Oh, but I mean, it sounds like it has such strong footing here at the beginning. That's the part that gets trash candy. So maybe it deteriorates because sometime also in 1967, Joni Mitchell meets Graham Nash. Now, Graham Nash is still with the Hollies at this point. 
the Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young supergroup has not yet formed. But all the players are in Laurel Canyon, and people are doing their thing. But there's an out-of-town gig in Ottawa. And Graham Nash sees Joni Mitchell across the room. And there's somebody talking to Graham Nash. And Graham Nash is like, would you just shut the hell up? I'm trying to make eyes at this pretty girl across the room. And the person talking to Graham Nash is like trying to tell Graham, hey, dude, that's Joni Mitchell and she wants to meet you. (laughs) Okay. Now, Graham Nash has already heard of Joni Mitchell because David Crosby has told his friend, Graham Nash. Won't shut up about, yeah. That if you ever get a chance to meet Joni, do it. I think that you two would really get on. And well, they do. So they meet in Ottawa. They head back to a hotel room. And Graham Nash will say about this, she played me music from another planet. This woman was surrounded by warm objects, silks, and candles, and we're on the top floor. And there are gargoyles outside of our window. I think this is her song, The Arrangement, where she references the 33rd floor. Anyway, Graham Nash says, quite frankly, I will never forget that night. I fell completely in love with her right then. I had never heard, seen, or met a creature like her in my life. It was something else. But these two don't have a lot of opportunity to connect. They're both on tour. And also Graham Nash is a little heartbroken because Joni Mitchell is living with Leonard Cohen in Chelsea. (laughs) This will be referenced in his song called Letter to a Cactus Tree, where he will write about competing with a poet for your favors and how his hopes are fading day by day. (laughs) Sad. But Joni and Graham, like they're falling for each other. And Joni's relationship with David Crosby, not great. David Crosby, kind of a constant philanderer. He's going to end up taking up with an old girlfriend. Okay, so here's the trashy part. Joni finds out about it. She's moved to Laurel Canyon at this point. And there's a party at Peter Tork's house of the monkeys in Laurel Canyon one night. And Joni comes to the party and is like, hey, y'all, I have a new song. Does everybody want to hear it? The crowd goes wild. Yeah. New Joni song. Of course we want to hear it. It's a new Joni Mitchell song. And then she'll sit down at the piano and play that song about the midway with references to a man's sky high harmonies and the way she had caught him cheating on her more than once. There's no question who the subject of this (laughs) song is. And she sits down at the piano at Peter Tork's house and looks at David Crosby the whole time she's playing that song about the Midway. It's a goodbye song to David Crosby. Mm -hmm. See ya, man. She'll sing the song just to him, but then to add insult to injury, she'll play the song again just so he's really sure he got the message. Wow. Yeah. All right. So vindictive. (laughs) No, I think she was just done. Like, Mm -hmm. quit jerking me around, man. Also, Graham Nash. So when Joni comes out to Laurel Canyon, I just love this. She'll come out and she's looking for a place to live. And she will say, when I first came out to L.A. in 1968, my friend, photographer Joel Bernstein, found an old book in a flea market that said, ask anyone in America where the craziest people live and they'll tell you California. Ask anyone in California where the craziest people live and they'll say Los Angeles. Ask anyone in Los Angeles where the craziest people live, and they'll tell you Hollywood. 
Ask anyone in Hollywood where the craziest people live and they'll say Laurel Canyon. Ask anyone in Laurel Canyon where the craziest people live and they'll say Lookout Mountain. So I bought a house on Lookout Mountain. (laughs) Joni will tell Vanity Fair about Laurel Canyon. That was hippie heaven with a little rustic fireplace and a good feeling. There would be nights when everybody sat up and played acoustic music and swapped songs. And it, it is that. It is a tiny neighborhood filled with creatives and artists and musicians and writers and designers, as well as all the up-and-coming people who are going to be in management for all of those fields coming up. Like, it's a whole new scene. It's Paris in the 1920s. It is just this magic moment of... Yeah, Steve Martin, who we covered a few weeks ago. Totally he, in that scene. He had, well, he had an apartment there, but he, he says he never met any of the... Super cool kids who were he living there. He got his breakthrough at the Troubadour. Mm-hmm. At Doug, like Doug Weston, you know, puts him up for Hootenanny. Yeah, I don't think he was getting invited to party at he the Monkey's House. He might not have been invited to that scene. Okay. Now, there is a hotly debated item, and even the band members of Crosby, Stills, and Nash do not agree for where they sang the first time. Graham and David say it is Joni's house on Lookout Mountain. Stephen Stills, Stephen Stills will say... It was absolutely Cass Elliott's house. Cass Elliott lived kind of down and around the way on Woodrow Wilson. And Stephen Stills knows this for sure because he says he was way too intimidated to sing in front of Joni. Anyway, no one agrees. Stephen says Cass would back me up. She remembered everything, but that will be hotly debated forever. The whole Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young story is not the focus today. It's Joni and Graham, but there are spiderwebs. Graham Nash is going to write 13 songs for Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell will write a number of songs about Graham Nash. When their love affair ends, it is, <sighs> there are broken hearts and honestly produces some of the finest music from the period. Today, we're going to concentrate on three of these songs, My Old Man, Our House, and River, which sort of put together a nice little triangle of the trashy love affair that Joni and Graham have. And we're going to get to that right after we take a break and hear from our sponsors. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know... Trying to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number. Thousands of people try to call. I talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. 
crazy funny ones. I talk to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. Okay, Alicia, so continuing your story with some music. (sighs) Okay, so Joni and Graham, they're living and they're loving, and it's an amazing time to be young and alive and creative in Laurel Canyon. Joni nicknames Graham Willie. And there is a song on Ladies of the Canyon after they had broken up that she'll call Willie, but we're going to start with her love letter to Graham Nash. It is a song called My Old Man. I'm I'm just going to read through the first like two verses because they're so good. My old man, he's a singer in the park. He's a walker in the rain. He's a dancer in the dark. We don't need no piece of paper from the city hall keeping us tied and true. Right? That's the thing. Like, we don't we don't need to get married. Like, I'm here and you're here and everything's great. God, listen to this. He's my sunshine in the morning. He's my fireworks at the end of the day. Oh, God, what a good songwriter. He's the warmest chord I've ever heard. Play that warm chord. Play and stay, baby. We don't need a piece of paper. Uh, she talks about when he's gone and the bed is too big and the frying pan is too wide. Like Joni Mitchell. God, just break your heart open. (laughs) The whole point, we don't need a piece of paper. He's my old man. He's a walker in the, he's a dancer in the dark and I love him and it's fine. You keep away my lonesome blues. This is the love song for Graham Nash that will make it onto blue. And Joni will talk about, uh, I guess, working with her creative side and saying you have to be open to encounter and be in touch with the miraculous. Like some nights you just listen to the rattles in your own head. Some nights are better than others. Is the Blarney running or not? She equates this to a lot of her Irish roots. Is the Blarney running or not? Some nights you trip up on words. Some nights just the words happen. So Joni Mitchell like sleeps till four or five in the afternoon and is awake all night. Just awake and working all night long. And Graham Nash will talk about watching her, saying about her creative process that it was just so interesting. It's almost like she channels. She'll go somewhere different for hours. Physically, she'll be there, but otherwise she's gone. He said it was a great thing to see. It's, you know, someone getting taken away by a vision. (sighs) Graham Nash loves my old man. We don't need no piece of paper. And Graham Nash is in turn going to write Our House for Joni Mitchell. Love classic of the 70s, two cats in the yard, life used to be so hard. Yeah, for sure. The line that gets to me in this song every single time, uh, come to me now and rest your head for just five minutes. Joni and her creative thing gets so carried away that that to me is just such an odd, come to me now and just rest your head for just five minutes. It's a wonderful song, and our house is a fine house, and it's a cozy room, and the evening sunshine, and the fiery gems, and it's great. How does this song happen? So Graham and Joni are living together in that lookout mountain home in Laurel Canyon, and Graham will say it was an intense time. It's just a race to see who's getting to the piano first. There are two creative writers in the same space, so there's an interesting clash of I want to get as close to you as possible, 
On the other hand, please leave me the hell alone so I can create. But they're falling in love. (laughs) He'll say it was a small house and it was a thing of who got to the piano first. She was in the middle of a record and was writing daily. I was in the middle of a record with David and Steven and I was writing daily. It just got to be crazy, you know. Okay, she's playing, then shall we have some lunch? And then we'd have lunch and then maybe I'd get to the piano. Our house comes to be when they go down to Ventura at Arts Deli. It's about three miles north of the canyon. And they're walking by an antique store where they see a vase in the window that Graham persuades Joni to buy. They go back to the house. It's one of those gray, drizzly L.A. mornings. And he says, I'll light a fire. And why don't you put some flowers in the vase that you bought today? Graham Nash will go to the piano. He'll say, I thought I love this woman. And this moment is a very grounded moment in our relationship. And I sat down at the piano and an hour later, our house was done. It was kind of amazing. And they're in love and it's wonderful. And what on earth could go wrong in this affair? I'm guessing since this is trashy breakups that something does. It actually, this is a... Story of it's not right. Not that there's nothing wrong. It's just not right. So Graham Nash proposes to Joni and Joni will say, I had sworn my heart to Graham in a way that I didn't think it was possible for myself. And he wanted me to marry him. And I had agreed to it. And then I just started thinking. My grandmother was a frustrated poet and musician. She kicked the kitchen door off its hinges you know, on the farm. And I thought about my paternal grandmother who wept for the last time in her life at 14 behind some barn because she wanted a piano and said, dry your eyes, you silly girl. You'll never have a piano. And I thought maybe I'm the one who got the gene that has to make it happen for these two women. As much as I loved and cared for Graham, I just thought I don't want to end up like my grandmother kicking the door off of the hinges. It broke my heart. They have a little bit of a break. Joni's going to go to Europe. She's going to hook up with Carrie. Famous song there. Over in Greece. Uh, She's going to write California. She's going to write A Free Man in Paris. She's going to come back and Blue is cooking in her brain. But Graham Nash will be... Back in the canyon, laying down a new kitchen floor when a telegram arrives Mm. from Greece that reads, if you hold sand too tightly, it will run through your fingers. And Graham Nash realizes that that is his dear Graham letter from Joni. And it is in fact over. If you hold sand too tightly. So, I mean, it's great. It's cryptic, but it's great. Graham knew what it meant. Yeah. Uh, David Crosby will say that Graham Nash was the best of us for her. It was the happiest she ever was. He was the best at being her old man. The breakup song for Graham Nash, which I want all of you to remember this Christmas season, because for some reason, people love to sing River at Christmas. It's not a Christmas song. It has Christmas in it. Oh my God. It is a breakup song to Graham Nash. Cutting down trees. Cutting down trees. I wish I had a river I could skate away on. Uh, Oh, my God. 
I made my baby cry. He tried hard to help me. You know, he put me at ease. He loved me so naughty, made me weak in the knees. I'm so hard to handle. I'm selfish and I'm sad. Now I've gone and lost the best baby that I ever had. Like she's brokenhearted about it. She'll say she felt like cellophane at this time. She is into her own individual psychological descent. She said, if anybody looked at me, I'd burst into tears. And she writes Blue, which on Rolling Stone's greatest albums of all time Mm -hmm. list is number three. She said, you know, they put me on a pedestal and I was wobbling. I thought they should know who they're worshiping. She's going to write Blue, which is just, uh, I will talk about this album anytime. it, It is one of my favorites. Plays it for her friend Chris Christopherson, who is shocked by it. Like, Joni, you've revealed too much. You've gone to... Nobody's doing that. Pop stars aren't writing their real honest emotions. Like, you listen to the rawness of River, and it is a... Graham Nash, I'm sorry I broke your heart, man. But I couldn't end up kicking the hinge... You know, kicking the hinges off the door. Blue is just psychic pain. It's a brilliant album. But this lady is looking out for her own thing. Okay, Now, Graham Nash, hearing Blue for the first time, made him feel just that. He'll say, when I first heard the album, I realized our love affair had come to an end. And that's a very sad feeling for anyone who's in love with anybody. But particularly because it's Joni and me. People said that we literally lit up the room when we were both in it. Our love was very warm, very tender, and very deep. It is one of the reasons why listening to Blue still tugs at my heartstrings. And he's asked, do you feel like Joni bared too much in that album about you and your relationship? And he said, no, I never did. It was only admiration for her ability to do that. He'll add that it was tremendously courageous of her to reveal so much of herself and her love life. She was not feeling particularly strong She had a lot of questions about her life and how it should have gone, maybe. I want to go back to this other quote about Graham Nash here before I wrap it. He says, we were a couple for two years. I watched her write many of the songs on Blue. She didn't finish it until after we parted. River made me sad because it chronicled the end of our relationship, but also elated because it was such a beautiful song and she had the courage to bear her soul. We were very much in love. I treasured that relationship. I remember leaving the house to give her the space to finish my old man. I'm sad that it's about me again, but it's so brilliant. Like the song suggests, I asked her to marry me, but I think she thought I wanted a wife to cook meals and so on, which was never my intention. I wanted her to be as free as possible, to be as brilliant as possible, She's an amazing woman, and I'm proud to have been part of her life. Today, in current day, Graham Nash says he has still mixed feelings when listening to Blue. I still feel like a couple of emotions that shouldn't go together. One of them is sadness. The other one is the incredulity of how brilliant she is. Ah, weak in the knees. Uh, The two do remain close. I would like you to know that Graham Nash has sent Joni Mitchell flowers every year for five plus decades on her birthday. So not really a trashy breakup, just a... The trashy part is in the love story. 
Graham will say, all these years later, there's a part of my heart that still loves Joni Mitchell. Once you're in love with Joni Mitchell, you're in love with her forever. And I think that's true. I'll be in love with Blue forever. Kicking the door off the hinges. Like, I don't know. It's such a tough decision sometimes in relationships. You know, I think you want this thing and I don't want that thing. And it's not that I don't love you. Here's my song about we don't need no piece of paper. And your reply is, Mm -hmm. our house is a fine house and it's great. Let's get married. Let's get married. And I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I will say my favorite cover of River is Robert Downey Jr. performed it in an episode of Ally McBeal back in the 1990s, I think. Blows me away. I look that up on YouTube every year around this time. So thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for the reminder. There's your story behind the song of the uh, tragically sad breakup of Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash. She just didn't want to kick the hinges off the door. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for taking this week. But mostly thank you for taking this week to celebrate the birthday in our own weird way of Joni Mitchell. Happy birthday, Joni Mitchell. If I had your address, I would send you flowers too, just like Graham. And some TD stickers. Oh, yeah, totally. Some trashy divorces <laughs> stickers, too. Joni Mitchell, goddess. Anytime anybody wants to uh, talk to me about Joni Mitchell, you just let me know. I'll do it anytime. Y'all, thanks so much for tuning in for my trashy breakups today. Thanks again, Stacy, for letting me commandeer the week. You're welcome. And uh, you'll be Come back. Commandeer away. Yeah, I'll, I'll be back next week. For trashy breakups. And before then, we'll be back on Sunday with two brand mm-hmm. new all trashy divorces. Probably should figure out who we're doing this week. I know who I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, fair. All right. Well, I think that is it for us. If you if you just need more, uh, come join us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces or you have a look. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I have covered the trashy breakup of Graham Nash's bandmate, Stephen Stills and Judy Collins. That episode is available on the free bit.ly bit.ly slash trash candy link. I've also thrown up a few other Laurel Canyon type episodes. If you want to hear some free trash candy on our Patreon, it's there for you. Sure. Dive deeper at bit.ly slash trash candy. And if you want more than that, you can join us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces for ad free ups, dumpster dive. You're in a trashy Bonaparte series. We got Laurel Canyon. We got all kinds of tricks and treats Mm -hmm. over there all the time. Anyway, okay, I think that's it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Y'all are the very best. We'll catch you back on Sunday. In the meantime, keep your hands clean. Oh, keep those hearts trashy. Write songs about it. (sighs) Bye, y'all. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com. 
or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.